You're listening to Project Thought with Hannah Yeo. Even though I said yes to being a candidate, I actually had very little time to assess the requirements for a successful campaign. It was more than just getting the crowd appearing in the media and also saying the right things to win support. The emotional side of things cropped up on me as I went along every day of that two-week-long campaign. My most vivid struggle was I remember crying in the car as we were turning out from our rented home in USJ 6 onto Persiaran Bhakti and then Persiaran Muni to head to the SS19 Chirama. That was the first Chirama with Anwar Ibrahim. I remember these photographic details so well, you know, down to the name of the streets because the struggle was so real. I felt like I had no story, no compelling manifesto, and I wasn't qualified for the job. I just felt I had nothing to say to the people. I needed a script, but my head could not process it. My heart was not fully convinced that I was up for this assignment. All that changed when I stepped onto the mini platform next to Anwar Ibrahim in SS19. I saw the crowd so hungry for a clean government. This general election is very different. People are very hungry for the truth. If they are not hungry, they will not be here tonight. Look at the crowd. Look at the people. This is a very strong message. I was convinced within me that I had the same resolve as them to fight corruption. That was a match what I saw in the crowd that night. And that gave me a newfound confidence. You can have the most qualified, eloquent politician, but without a new resolve to fight corruption, it would be same old, same old. I remember reading the news of a corrupt politician and him wanting to win the people's support again. I remember him throwing an open house and serving satay and the crowd was very big. His comment at that time was, look, the people still accept me. That gave me a very strong resolve to fight corruption because to me, I needed to see that Malaysians detest corruption like I do. For me to see that in the crowd at my first appearance in SS19, that was the match for me. The next emotional challenge for me was going out to meet the voters and shaking their hands. Some were nasty. Didn't matter whether it was the morning market, pasar malam or kopitiam. Some refused to even look at me when I said hi and that was tough. Many times when that happened, I could hear my inner voice saying, forget it, why should I serve these people? It wasn't easy trying to reconcile this rejection with that earlier found confidence to fight corruption. In fact, there was an incident that I could remember very well. Going into the shower, getting ready to go for another walkabout in the Pasar Malam. I sat on the floor in the shower for the longest time crying because I was so reluctant to get dressed, to go out and face people again. It was not a natural thing for me to do, wanting all this attention to myself, going out and say, here I am, vote for me. It was a real struggle for me to give myself for this new calling. This feeling of rejection went on for years within me, that kind of upsetting feeling that made me want to punch a wall. I think I overcame it as I grew older. I started to see the bigger picture. I began to focus on those who supported me and abandoned the desire of wanting to please everybody. I knew it was impossible. Every giant of a public figure has always had their fair share of critics and I knew I shouldn't expect myself to be any different. Today, I don't feel that sense of rejection within me anymore. 
It has taken me years of discipline and moving away from being self-centered and focusing on how I was feeling and how I was being treated. Shift your focus on the work undone and those who need your voice. That will give you the push to take one more step forward. As the campaign went on, the crowds at our rallies began to swell. The biggest crowd was the Chirama held in the rain at the open field in USJ 12. When it started to pour, I remember there was thunder and there was lightning and we appealed to the people to go home. But no one moved. They wanted more. I saw hunger and a real desperation for change. And that fired me up for polling day. The first step has started. Despite the rain, you have stood here tonight. This is the first step. I did not pay you to come. I did not serve you with free food. I didn't give you an appreciation dinner. I just tell you to vote for change. By then, a lot of people were already feeling very uh, frustrated with the government. Uh, and people were willing to part with their money. We raised thousands in our rallies. A lot of people, I suspect, felt at that time that they really had nothing to lose because they didn't like the government, they didn't like the corruption, and they felt like, you know, any chance, any bet they could place on anyone to give this a go, they would support. And that's how our campaign gained momentum in Subang Jaya. I remember that one walkabout in USJ and how my friends sent out messages to my schoolmates and say, hey, Subang Utama kids, if you are in town tonight, come to Taipan, our schoolgirl, our friend is going to be running for Subang Jaya, you know. And I remember just walking on the streets and seeing the seniors in my school show up. They felt like this is a personal campaign for them because this is their friend running. It's so fresh in my head, my senior in school holding the DAP flag and these are not even DAP members, but hey, it's my friend's party, you know, and this is my friend's campaign. So they held the flag for me. And for the ordinary people, I think, to see a bunch of young people in their 20s walking on the streets to run a political campaign, that was something unheard of, refreshing. And so the curiosity, I think, caused more people to want to find out more about our campaign. And that's how the numbers and excitement and interest grew. When you face an assignment that requires sheer hard work, resilience, patience, and perseverance, as long as you have a willing heart, remember it can be done. Speaking of a willing heart, this brings me back to the night of polling day. Edward was all dressed up, ready for a celebration as we gathered in his house before heading to the counting centre. I remember asking Edward, why are you so confident, uh, all dressed up already? And by then, the updates had started to come in from our counting agents. There was a real chance of us winning. Apparently, according to Edward, I was getting some significant number of votes and this was verified when we actually arrived at the counting centre. But we waited at the counting centre till about 2am, 3am that day. No one had access to any news and rumours were flying that Barisan national politicians were apparently removing documents from the state office. People said that you can have all these results saying that you're the winner on paper, but eventually a different outcome can come out of this because Selangor had never experienced a change of government. And there was a real sense of restlessness in that place because we were hearing all these rumours, yet we had no means to verify them. And that's why we were reluctant to leave the counting centre, even though it was 3am, because we wanted them to declare us as winner. 
and not having this victory hijacked from us. So finally, at about 3am or 4am, I can't remember exactly, all exhausted and, and tired from the whole day of polling day, the returning officer finally turned on the microphone and announced my name as the winner, the new state assemblyman for N31 Subang Jaya. You might think I would have immediately burst into celebration, but no, to be honest, a part of me was sad that this would mean a life of public service for the next five years. This was a possibility I did not have time to digest throughout the campaign because people said even though you see a big crowd at your rally, don't count your eggs before they hatch. People in Subang Jaya had never voted for the opposition and so when it finally happened, it was bittersweet. I felt happy with a tinge of sadness. This life was no longer my own and I suspect this is the dilemma faced by many first-time politicians. Without a willing heart or spirit, I've seen some walking away or changing course halfway. As I conclude this series, I just want you to know that a lot of factors contributed to that first victory in the 2008 elections. Firstly, it was the people's willingness to vote for change, departing from their norm of trusting a government who threw out the May 13 card whenever there was an election, and instead having the courage to chart a new path with the untested opposition in 2008. Secondly, was the ability of the opposition leadership to give seats to younger, untrained candidates like me. The nothing-to-lose mindset made it all possible. Thirdly, the willingness of the young people to say yes. This came at a price for me. I lived my late 20s without being able to enjoy any weekends for myself or with friends. I remember getting invitation to go to a movie on a Friday night, but in my calendar, it says 7am in the morning the next day, Gotong Royong with residents. Every day was filled with appointments, trying to resolve never-ending problems. I had to have the willingness to leave out a timetable that had very little me time, laypacking with friends my age, and to have this on a repeat mode, not just for a year, but for more than a decade now. I want to tell you that experience is never the key requirement to success. The willingness to pay the price is... There is always risk in stepping out, but not giving it a try at all, that's not something I could live with. And this can apply to you in business or if you're in other ventures too. For me, I found my calling in losing my own plan that year in 2008. I left behind the Hannah Yo who wanted life my own way, a newlywed in event management, to become this Hannah Yo who was stretched beyond her imagination. In so doing, I discovered the ability to endure stress that I never thought I had. And I did that at 29. So I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, for wanting to know more about my journey in the beginning of my political career. But I want you to know that this journey that I was in is not something extraordinary or it's not something that is exclusive just for me. It can actually happen to you. Regardless of your age, when the opportunity comes before you to do something right, to try something new because no one else around you is willing to pay the price, grab that opportunity, say yes, you will be surprised with the outcome. For me, when I said yes to being on standby for an election candidate for Subang Jaya, I never knew that that yes would lead me to experiencing the journey of becoming a deputy minister in Putrajaya one decade later. That simple yes to being on standby 
gave me so many other opportunities to serve children, to serve people who have no voice on their own. So if you will give yourself a try, don't limit yourself, don't take the easy road. You will find that there is meaning to your life. You will discover a purpose in your existence. And I really believe that this opportunity will come for every single person. If you only pay attention and if you're willing to take risks and pay the price, the outcome will surprise you. Before I end, I just want to encourage all of you that the best days for Malaysia are ahead of us. It's not over yet. And I want to say thank you once again for listening to Project Thought with me, Hannah Yu. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to follow or subscribe to stay up to date on future episodes.